When I love a painting that I did, it could be a little painting of a bird. I've been painting a lot of birds lately. And just, it's that perfect flick of paint and it's done. And I roll back my chair and turn off the light and it's time to go to bed. And I close my eyes and I'm like, I did it. Like it's the perfect little messy, perfect zigzag of just what I wanted. And it gives me, like it helps me sleep. And I'm just glad I'm able to express myself in that way. Welcome to Works in Process, a series of conversations where I talk to creative individuals about their latest projects. I'm George Garastegui. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking to Natalie Cooperman, aka Natmade. She's a textile designer and artist who has rekindled her joy for making art. We catch up to talk about how working in the fashion industry and being a mom sparked her creative career. So let's get to our conversation. Hey, Natalie. Welcome to Works in Process podcast. So I decided to do something silly for the beginning of these interviews to get my guests a little bit more comfortable. I kind of want to ask you a series of this or that questions and then also some word association. Okay. All right. So cool. Coffee or tea? Coffee, definitely. Espresso. (laughs) Note, espresso. Toaster or bagel? Bagel. Everything. Everything bagel? Yep. Rock or hip hop? Mm, oh, that's hard. Rock. Beatles or Rolling Stones? Beatles, for sure. Biggie or Tupac? Tupac. And you live in Brooklyn. Oh, sorry. Beer or wine? Beer, but good beer. Good beer. Good beer. Um, and now on to the word association. So okay. just basically the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear these words. Oh no, here we go. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Creativity. Passion. Design. That's so hard. Design. Um, premeditated. Art. Love. Business. Ugh. Is that your answer? Uh, U- U-G-H. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Failure. Lessons. Clients. Grateful. Mistakes. L- again, like learning lesson. Tools. Everything. Skills. Consistency. Opportunity. Um... The word fight comes to me for some reason. Fight? Fight. Nice. Future. Positive. Risk. Um, I'm ready. And last but not least, process. Complicated. Nice. Perfect. So also when I start these interviews, I know many people may not know who you are. I was thinking, how can we give them a short origin story of who Natalie is? how you became the artist and creative you are today. So just take us on that journey. When I was a little kid, I was always drawing and scribbling. And I remember one of the most impactful stories, I think it was on PBS, I saw on Norman Rockwell. And I was so inspired. I remember maybe like I was eight or nine years old and like scrambled into my room and I just like wanted to draw like him. And clearly I had a lot of work to do. Um, but I always loved art. I I, it was a way for me to like stick out in a crowd of like, there was four kids in my family and it was my identity was to be an artist. And 
I remember I would make birthday cards for everyone on the back of the cards. Like I used to write NatMade and it was like my hallmark. So even now my Facebook is NatMade. My Instagram is NatMade. It's something that like, it feels a little cheesy sometimes to still use it, but it really is like been such a part of me. And so I've always loved art. Even in college, I, there was no question what I was going to do. It wasn't like, wow, should I, you know, am I going into like, you know, finance that definitely wasn't going to happen. So I went straight to art and I got a partial scholarship to a small school outside of Illinois. And um, I just knew that's where I was going to be. And I graduated from school actually outside of Chicago. So I transferred a few times. And then I um, got an opportunity through my stepmom to go from Chicago to New York. And I had no skill set in fashion, but she said, if you fly to New York in the next week, um, my friend will give you a job in apparel and we'll teach you textile design. And I got in the car. It was three o'clock in the morning, packed my stuff right out of college, drove cross country by myself to New York. And it was September of 2001. <laughs> and it was really well, technically last week of August. So I moved to New York a week before September 11th. So that was my introduction to New York. City. Welcome to New York. Yeah, for real. So, yeah, that was basically my so journey. So you drove cross country, well, from Chicago. From Chicago. Right, mm -hmm. to New York, mm -hmm. 3 o'clock in the morning. Um, I didn't want to stop. I've seen too many horror movies. I knew I didn't want to stay at a hotel by myself at like 22. So You got a job in, in fashion. I did get a job in fashion. Well, yeah, so what did you, what kind of companies, what kind of fashion were you doing? Were you doing a fashion design? It was women's apparel. So it was basically I was learning how to put print and pattern into repeat. I didn't, I came from college with a painting background, so it was definitely hard and having a family is basically like a friend of the family and the company. I feel like kind of kept me afloat for like the first six months. Cause it was a struggle not having a fashion background. And I learned this particular software, uh, euphoria and just learned how to do colorways and put things in repeat. And it was just a basic women's apparel sort of, I'd say like 40, 50 year old, like style women's mm -hmm. wear brand. So that's sort of how I began. And that was like CAD design, right? Yeah, it was CAD design. So you were doing all the repeats and stuff as a CAD artist for a fashion company? With a zero experience, like just jumped it. Yeah, exactly. So it, I think it took me about a year to sort of get a handle on that. So Was it a big jump? I mean, the computer system, just knowing what yeah. to do, going from painting? I mean, I hate to date myself, but I remember even my freshman year of college was my first email. Like, I it was probably around before that, but I definitely felt like I was definitely more tactile. I was you know, a painter in school, like, but even I actually applied to get my, um, master's at university of Illinois, Chicago. And I was really, really upset, but I didn't have enough studio hours. So I was like, what now? And that's when I got the opportunity to go to New York. And I was like, why not? Let's do this. I'm ready. So right. basically it was like, I, there's a job for you if you want it. So, so you took it. So I took it. Wow. That, that, that's cool. So, um, how long have you been in fashion textiles? Total now, I think 16 years, I think. 16 years. 16 years I've been doing print. Kind of the same thing, doing prints, doing CAD. Yeah, my last job was at Martha Stewart and I was doing more home wear. That was the first time I'd ever done home like textiles, which was a quilt, quilt design job. But everything else had been like women's wear for a while. I worked at Jones, New York. I worked at Sears. I worked at The Gap, where I um, went from more women's wear to intimates. I did like um, underwear, bras, swim, 
and then did a little bit of kids and baby, which I loved and sort of definitely inspired me and opened up a part of me that I didn't even know existed. This playfulness that I could have at work that was so fun. And my next job really opened up what I was capable of. And it was a job where they didn't buy anything from a print and pattern studio. And they just wanted me to create from scratch. And it pushed me as an artist. And I it, it, the, um, it was called Mixed, where actually it was a sister company to Joe Fresh. If people, New Yorkers kind of know what Joe Fresh is, but it's fast fashion. And so that's really where I learned so much of that. And then my last job was at Martha. So, so you went from, like you said, working, doing stuff for Gap Kids, where it kind of opened that freeness, mm-hmm. moving on to what is Mixed. Yeah. And then them having to have you do all this stuff by hand. Yes. Was, was, I mean, coming from a place where it's mainly computerized, is that something you were interested in? I think it was really fun after sort of coming from this art background that was very like, you know, painting on a canvas or drawing on a piece of paper and then doing the computer part and sort of merging those two worlds, like having all this experience of putting things in print and pattern and never really merging the two worlds. And all of a sudden, like what I'm creating, I can really bring to life. I can put it in repeat and not just for them, but for me. And I was really enjoying like, I mean, the process was difficult. Don't get me wrong. Like getting like going in a creative meeting. They're like, we want a bulldog with like, like aviator goggles riding in a, like a Corvette or some random thing. I'm like, remember going to my desk, like I'm going to get fired. Like, I don't know how to do this. And then I was like, don't look at it like that. Just start drawing. How do you do this? How do you put it together? How are you going to create this? Like you're going to, you're going to make a lot of ugly ones before you get to the one you want. And it's, it was a really interesting experience and it opened my world a lot. So now getting back to your desk and having to draw a bulldog with aviator glasses, which is like 99% of that is totally true. And it was that project that stumped me that changed everything. But yes. So how do you draw that? I think you look at it as individual pieces. Like you don't, you don't think like, how do I put it all together? Like, how do you draw goggles? Like, let's start with the goggles. And how do you put the head in proportion to the goggles? So pick, focus on one thing that you think you know how to draw and draw around it. Like, you know, maybe you Google or research certain types of breeds that maybe, you know, would look better with the goggles. Or like, really think about, pick one particular part of the drawing that you know you can tackle and look at it as pieces and not a whole. And I think that's really how I began to be able to tackle these problems that felt a little complicated. Like, how do I create that? How do I draw that? Pieces, not a whole. That's actually really good, right? Like trying to tackle the one thing you do know and then build around it. So yeah, so it doesn't feel so overwhelming because it does feel overwhelming and there's like deadlines and designers tapping their foot waiting for you to, you know, finish this. And it, as much as it's a job and it's not personal, like you're pouring so much of your, and kids, you really do. You pour so much of yourself into it. And when you, when you give them that final drawing and you're like trying to have a good game face, but you're like, please like it. And sometimes they don't. And when they do, they, you're able to connect with them and not just like a level of like, wow, that'd be a great graphic t-shirt. Be like, wow, I love that. That reminds me of something. You connect with that nostalgia. And that's really what I think kids wear and, even when I worked in sleep, it was really about like, what's that sort of impulse by like, oh, that, that bra has clouds on it. How cute. I need it so bad. Like, it's really, how do you connect with the customer? It's really about being true when you create it. So how much of that connecting with either the people you're showing it to or connecting with the people who would actually be buying it 
kind of drove you to make sure, even though it's a lot of work to hand draw all these things, right? Because you're not doing this stuff on the computer. No, it right? starts with like a pen and paper. Is that easier or harder because, you know, the end result, like you said, has more nostalgia to <clears throat> it? I think it's easier because I've, before I worked there, I worked at jobs that we bought from studios. You put it in repeat, you recolor it. And as much as you're a creative person, they don't, they're not really looking for you to like put your spin on it. It's like, how does it fit in the collection? We have a deadline. We want, you know, a warm colorway and a cool colorway and a neutral colorway onto the next. And this company was more like, do your thing. Like, I hope you can create something I didn't even really describe to you. So for me to be able to like be creative, it was both frightening, but so liberating once you sort of like grab it by the reins and be like, let's do this. And I really was able to create like best-selling things that were doodles that like my daughter now wears. Like I was hoarding samples when I was pregnant, knowing like that one day my kid could wear this crazy doodle alligator that was a bestseller, but I can also relive that moment by watching her wear it. Like it was really fun. And it was been a great sort of different layers of my life becoming like, you know, working my butt off and then becoming a mother and so many things changing, being able to sort of share that with her, whether we're drawing together or she's wearing something I made. Like it's been a really fun journey. So you mentioned that after working at The Gap and working for Women's Wear, then you're working at Mix and it kind of opened this this new passion because now you're actually able to do things by hand. You're not doing these repeats, right? And so anybody who doesn't understand what CAD work is, um, Natalie would probably be on the team that they would purchase designs from a company and then she would have to put those designs into a repeat to do on patterns on different garments that you know, the, the companies would need, but instead of them buying this, they would actually have her do it from scratch. So, um, in reality, they're saving a lot of money. Yeah, definitely. Right. Cause th th those pieces are not cheap. No, I I'd say like an average middle of the road print is 600. Um, my last companies, if something was in repeat, it could be 1200. So it definitely cuts out things. And as well, if you understand their vision, like when you look at a print studio, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to find like the perfect floral that you want that's going to go in the collection. So if you can have an in-house artist that creates this perfect rose that you needed at that one spot in the collection, like that's ideal. And then I can put it in repeat and recolor it and reduce it and do whatever I need to do. Like it definitely is helpful and they appreciate that. But that's kind of anomaly, right? Like we we're we're not saying that somebody who does CAD design is also an artist, a painter who, who not, thinks like that. Not necessarily, but I feel like there's design has changed a lot since I started. And for me to find a way to make yourself more, um, that companies want to call you back. They say, if you're looking for another job. And for me, I've noticed instead of just sending, Oh, I know Photoshop and illustrator and here's my resume, but also here's a link to my personal fine art hand that I can create. And they like, how are you different? How are you different from the next person next to you? And it's really by sort of creating your own style. And how are they going to capitalize on that? Basically, <laughs> exactly. Uh, right. They, they need to look for themselves yeah. as well. One thing. You, so you, you said you were in the fashion industry for about 16 years mm -hmm. and that, you know, doing all these prints and getting all this freedom to start to do your own stuff and uncovered this this new passion for you to want to get back to drawing, painting again, more so not for just your job. Yeah, I, 
I, I think it had been a long road from when I had graduated from school and I had always loved painting, but there was, I mean, over a decade where I did not create and I was searching for that. I, I did pottery. I, I even, I was like, maybe I'm a photographer. I like shadowed a wedding photographer and did a few sort of photo things. And I learned so much through all that, whether it was pottery, my husband's a chef and I would create pottery and he would put his food in it. And it was like such a great connection I had with him. And then the photography really taught me a lot about composition, which later translated more into sort of painting and balancing a painting and what works right, because I do paint from photographs. I started creating so much artwork for a company and I was like unleashed this thing in me that I was like, wow, I can paint everything that I want. I've always wanted to paint and I want to keep working on this. And it's so exciting. Like all of a sudden I can draw again. And cause I, f I felt like it was gone. I felt like it disappeared. And I think a lot of artists, once they start in a corporate America, I, I like I've worked, I worked with someone who just graduated from school at my last job and she's like, I don't create anymore. And I'm just kind of like, you have to work through that. You have to find a way to like, breakthrough and for me it took over a decade but I decided it was January and I was like I'm going to make a resolution and do something that will force me to create more and I saw something online some woman had done something similar and I decided I was going to do 50 days of drawing so every day for 50 days I will have to draw and I was like I need to be held accountable it's like meeting your friend at the gym you know so I posted it on <laughs> I don't even know if I was on Instagram. I think I was on Instagram by then, but I, I created my own Facebook account because not everybody wants to see it. Um, but I thought every day for 50 days, I'm going to post something. And I remember the first day I was like, all right, I can do this first one. I'm ready. And I drew a pinball machine. I was like, okay. And I got some likes and they're like, I announced I was going to do this. And for creative people too, like they were like, yeah, you know, good luck. This, I can't wait to see your journey. Like people were so like enthusiastic about it. And then I began to draw and I, I, I realized I kind of needed a theme. And so I was living in Carroll Gardens in Brooklyn. And I think I took, a, I took a couple days off of work and I took pictures of all these really awesome old storefronts. And because I had to draw at home, that's sort of, I, I need to draw at home. And so after taking the pictures, I would, I decided, you know, I'm going to draw, I can't even think like uh, Frankie's and different sort of trademark or places that if you live in Brooklyn, you know what right. they are. And it really gave, at least I had, I knew what I was going to draw the next day. So it wasn't so stressful. And so I ended up drawing, I think 127 drawings in 50 days and it changed me and my stuff had evolved so much and I didn't even know I had it in me. And I was like, my friends are like, you're crazy. Like I wasn't, I didn't even want to go out. I like couldn't believe I was able to open this. It was like so emotional for me that I knew that it was back and it was back in a different way. And I was obsessed and couldn't wait to draw when I got home. And so was your, so you were a painter obviously in college. Yeah. Was this drawing, painting, a combination of both? It didn't really matter. It was drawing and it was pen and marker. And it was, it's funny you say that too, because living in New York, we all have very small spaces. And in college I painted and I painted bigger and I painted Jackson Pollock big and splattered and like ruined my mom's garage. And like, it was really about the process. In the end, I don't even think it was about what I was creating. It was like the action of painting. I remember a college professor, I, I did a very Jackson Pollock-esque painting and he's like, well, that's like, you know, when I hurt my feelings, but he's like, that's really cliche. Like a lot of you know, that's very Jackson Pollock. And I had house paint with weird colors that I got really cheap. And I said, but I've never done it. 
Like, I don't know what that's like. I didn't, I don't know what it's like to splatter paint on the floor. And I did. And that, that painting isn't going to be like at the Met, but I did it and I can roll it up and throw it in the garbage. I'm fine with it because I know what it's like to like throw paint around and it's awesome and it's so much fun. And I'm not reinventing the wheel. I'm just going on my own journey. Like, how do I get to the next step? And that's interesting. Actually, being told by a professor that you're duplicating somebody else's style but then you coming back and saying, I understand that that's somebody else's style, but I've never actually done that. So how do I know how that feels? And I think that's an interesting way to kind of approach that, that, you know, if students or, or people are trying to, you know, do something, you may have to just replicate something to get that feeling because otherwise you're never going to know what that's like. He was really quiet <laughs> after I said that because he knew I was right. And I was so sincere, like for me to get to that next, like Jackson Paul is what I did my thesis on. And I wanted, I want, I read so much about him. I wrote so much about him and I kind of wanted to know what it was like to do that. And it was really important to me as an artist. And I think it's really about you pour so much of yourself into it. Like you have to stop worrying about what people think of you or feeling vulnerable. Cause even, you know, spreading your artwork out and having people look at it. It's when you really pour yourself into it, it's like someone's looking at your diary, you know, but you have to accept the good with the bad. And I feel like sincerity when you, you're really sincere with people, they, especially creative people, they understand. And that was like a perfect I remember it so clearly and it was so long ago and it was such a important part of, you know. No, that definitely seems like a a, a turning point. So you do a 50 day project. Yes. That you wanted to do a drawing a day. Yeah. That turned out to be, you said 127 drawings. I believe. Yes. Right. So not everything was great. Right. But still, that's diligence to be 127 drawings, which means on average, you've probably produced 2.5 drawings a day. Mm-hmm. Right. So instead of saying how hard it is to do one drawing a day, yeah. <laughs> your obsession <laughs> turned into two and a half drawings a day. Yeah. And you took photos of the things you were going to draw before. How important was that to kind of, I guess, know what you're going to be drawing the next day? I think people get overwhelmed with the idea of starting a project that's like multiple days in a row. Like everybody's busy. We're all busy. And when you have more of a plan, it's seems more manageable for me. Like I, I'm not, I'm very, very like right brained and a messy artist. And for me, structure is really how I am able to produce things. And I know that the biggest thing I learned from there is, is the best quality stuff I get is through repetition and, and like the evolution that you get. Like maybe I did 50 drawings, but like Three are like spectacular in my mind that I still, because I usually don't like something even six months later. I'm like, oh, like really? That's in a frame. But like there's stuff that I really love that I created during that time. <clears throat> but I, that's the thing I learned most is that the more I create things or <clears throat> I actually enjoy the repetition part and I've taken it to a different level. Even now, like I'll draw, I'll paint the same rooster four times in a row and look at them and find my favorite one. It's normally the first one actually lately, but it's interesting to draw or paint the same thing four or five times lately, lately. So but that's something I learned from that project that I did. I I believe it was four or five years ago. So, but so lately you've gotten to a point where even though you're still doing this thing of repetition, Mm -hmm. now you've gotten to the, maybe the first one is, is the best one that you're noticing. But obviously in the beginning, 
Was the first one always the best one? Oh, no, it wasn't. Definitely not. And also, it was interesting with the first project because I started with like pen lines and then I added color and then I realized I really liked when I painted pen lines and then painted or um, in marker did that sort of underpainting, I guess you would call it, underneath. And then I would scan in the black and white pen drawing and in Photoshop punch out the white background and lay the black lines on top. And it really gave this almost like 3D effect to it. It was really interesting. So, But I didn't realize it till like maybe drawing number whatever, like 12 or 15 or whatever it was. But the, they began to change. And at the end of the drawings too, there was a little bar in Brooklyn, which has been such a supporter of mine in the last four years or five years since I've started this. And a friend of mine was looking for an artist to do a small show. It's literally called mini bar. And I was like, I can pack the house at mini bar. And they were so supportive and they, they hung it and I had a really awesome art opening and I hadn't had any sort of art show since college. And it really was so awesome after all these long 50 days of drawing at my, at my, you know, quiet kitchen table by myself to have all my friends come and support me. And I sold prints for the first time. And it was just, it was an awakening. It was so exciting to like see them framed and on the wall and to have a friend have a beer and be like, I love that after it being sort of the secret quiet, it wasn't quite secret, but to have a one-on-one, you know, conversation with a friend in a public space where my stuff was hanging. Cause it felt so personal, but so exciting that I was like not afraid to hang myself and to show it. And was it your intention to have a, a show? no, it was exciting and I was like almost overwhelmed by the idea of putting stuff up there. And the intention was to inspire myself to create. And in the end I kickstarted something that I didn't realize how much I needed and realizing that I could kind of draw anything. I could draw someone's house. I could, I did, I was starting doing pet portraits. I hadn't ever done pet portraits before and I still do them. And they're in such a different hand from when I started. I was doing more marker and pen and now I'm like deeply in love with watercolor. It's such a nerd, but like I love watercolor now, but, and I love to see the evolution of, of the styles that have changed. Even my husband talks about, you know, you're like your pen and marker period you know and now I have my watercolor period and I'm kind of moving away I did cityscapes for a couple years and I'm kind of moving away from that and I've done a lot of animals and I'm really enjoying that too so yeah I mean from following you on on different media and mostly Instagram you kind of just you kind of go through these moments of like okay I'm going to stick to this Mm -hmm. so the repetition happens to be thematic yeah rather than like the same exact rooster all the time it's animals or cityscapes or storefronts or pets or you know I've seen some things where it's kind of this very portraiture kind Mm -hmm. of but it's kind of a minimalist portraiture yeah it's not overly done it's kind of almost it seems quick but it probably seems like no it's probably methodical like it's purposeful lines rather than scribble because every line seems like it means something is that a is is that planned? Do you, you know, you talked about themes before because you had to start doing all these things. Do you prefer working in themes or do you prefer working random? Um, I don't know. I think I forced myself to work in themes for a while. So it made sense. Cause so after mini bar, let me hang myself in their space. I never kind of left. So they would let me like right now, my stuff's been there for over a year. So I know if I create a collection of things that make sense, they'll let me hang it. So I know that it's nice to know that I'm working towards something that can 
be a project that, you know, I can show. So sometimes I force myself to be in a theme, even though I just want to like, I want to draw a bee. I mean, I want to draw, you know, my nephew. And actually now I feel more free. Like I don't really feel like I have to be thematic, but I think I forced the theme a little bit sometimes because I felt like I had to create like it'd be like 12 o'clock at night and I should be sleeping and I'm going to be tired in the morning. And sometimes I'm like meticulously drawing a bumblebee. Like, what am I doing? Like, you know, I understand that I want to paint, but it started to interfere sort of even with my sleep. So I felt like at least I'm creating something towards a project. And that's led to other projects that, that I let the theme now dictate what project I create. Because I like, like I, the ABC book I created, I really was into painting animals. I'm like, wow, I should just paint an ABC book. So I'm painting towards something. All right. So let's, you know, before you jump the gun, right? Yeah, so you jumped it already. Uh, oh, <laughs> but you know, your, your collection, your themes, you know, one of the things was animals, mm-hmm. right? And you have all these beautiful watercolor drawings, um, of animals. And then when did that idea come to start to actually make that into a book um well I have a three-year-old daughter and I spend a lot of time at home and I actually not to get sidetracked here but it's interesting after having a kid and your life changes so much and like I used to go out and have drinks with my friends and go do things and like I have such limited time and it definitely wasn't spent doing the things I used to do like to for my social time. So I really focused on painting and drawing and I started creating more, but so I, I would paint animals for her. Like she, I would ask her like, what do you want to, we, we would be interacting more together. And so I painted this gorilla and it was, it was one of the most, like one of my favorite paintings I've ever done. I was like, wow, I really like the hand. I, I feel like I accidentally did it. Like, wow, like, how can I replicate that? And so I have a little chalkboard on my wall and I just started, I wrote animals from A to Z and I was like, I should just, I should just draw every animal in the alphabet and then create a book. So then the challenge began and it took me, I started in the summer of last year and every day I tried to paint an animal and I was really enjoying myself. And there's a lot of animals that didn't make it like a lot of obscure random animals. And it was something I could focus on that when my daughter went to bed, that was my time. That was my meditation. That was like my me time. The, my me time used to be totally different, but it's definitely way more productive and a lot more affordable this me time. But I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I painted all the animals. I was like, okay, I'm done. I have every animal I want. And then it was actually creating the book itself that was exhausting. So then I tried a different kind, all different fonts and texts and how to lay it out. And I was like, I should probably do handwriting. And I asked my husband a little bit, like, what do you think of this? And he's brutally honest sometimes, but I like that he's just yes or no. And so I laid that, laid the writing out, wrote it like every animal and little, it's very inky and splattery looking. So there was a lot of scanning and Photoshop and I, it took me three months from beginning to end and it was I worked tirelessly on it any time I had I worked on it three months to just produce the book just to yes to create the book not the actual illustrations that's everything okay so painting draw like writing the art like the handwriting part and um the computer part I found the most exhausting because it's not really the fun part so just scanning it in and like sort of like I did black and white I made sure when I created 
even the writing that it would be easier to reduce in Photoshop, like do black and white. If you want to change it to color, you know, I can recolor it. But I really thought about the way I was going to lay the writing out before I actually did it because I wanted to make my life a little bit easier, but it was, you know, just laying out page by page. And so a three month project that 26 animals. Yes. Right. Yes. Right way to think about it. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, three months is not, I mean, it's not that long. I don't think it was a long time for how much work it was because there was a lot of fallout even with the animals that I painted and the the sort of text that didn't work. And like, I'd be like, ugh, I have to do this again. But I knew I needed to do it again, like to do it right. And to how many times did you do a different animal for a letter? Um, I probably did maybe two per page. So 26 times two. So it's 52. Like, it's like 79. Just kidding. I can't <laughs> count. Um, it was a lot, but I wanted to make sure it was right. And if the bear looked a little weird, maybe it's time to do another bear. So yeah, I, it was definitely, it was such a passion project though. Cause I'd never created something that I could share with my daughter. And that was the first thing that my husband was like, you need to write a dedication in the book to her. Cause she was, she, you know, she's watching Scooby-Doo in the background or I'm asking her which one she likes better just to hear, you know, get her involved or she wanted even as a little baby, she would sit on my lap because she just wanted to be close to me and she'd watch me paint. So I think it was the first project I ever did that I that was like a real project that I connected with her that uh, it was exciting. And now actually at her, she's in daycare, but I gave a book to her daycare and it's something they read at story time and something that when she's far grown up and gone like that, you know, that that book will be tucked in her bookshelf. And it was a project so much bigger than just like painting a gorilla late at night when I probably should be sleeping. It was like, it was so important. It was like, it was really exciting. And that people liked it, that it was something I could share with my friends. And like, I think I sold maybe 70 or 80 books and for peddling it via link on Facebook, I was grateful to all my friends and family. And it's even, um, I was an exchange student in Australia and I have like mix, even that company I worked at was Australian based. And I have some really awesome Australian families that I'm close to, <clears throat> but they, even there's a few books that I wrote inside that are in a library in Australia. So to know that it went that far and it was something that was just an idea and it, and you don't have to be published. You don't have to like, I did, I did send it to a few publishers and the comment was they wanted more of a narrative, but they liked my hand and that was good enough. Like it was okay. It was okay that it was what it was and it is what it is. And it's something that I'll always, I'm so glad I did it. And I'm actually working on another one, but I don't, I'm, it's I'm aware of how much work it is. So I feel like I'm getting tangled in other projects. So, so. let's not get it um, confused. You self-published this book. Correct. Right. So it was published, but just not by a major house. Yes, I right? did not. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, you know, people can buy it. Yeah. You know, you can get copies and can although, have it. Although I'm going to interrupt for a minute. It's it, I, they they only sell it in the U.S., but I had it an Australian friend who bought them via like basically I mailed them to Australia. So you cannot buy them internationally, but anyway, so blurb doesn't, doesn't uh, do U S only. So maybe All Canada. Right. So if you want to buy, you know, Nat's book, which is yeah. on blurb, it'll be in the show notes, a link to her ABC book, but exactly. um, support handmade art. As I'm looking at the actual watercolors in her house right now, um, they are amazing. Thank you. <laughs> It's good to see an artist have a room and, a, and, a, and an apartment and a house that feels like an artist lives here. It makes total sense that we're engulfed with different types of 
you know, art. And funny enough, it just Jackson, there's a Jackson Pollock on your wall. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's funny because when my husband and I first met, we went, I believe it was, I believe it was the Met, but there's like in the, in the gift shop, they have all these prints that you can buy. And we had just met, but he didn't know that I had done like my thesis and everything on Jackson Pollock. And he's a chef and has a, he lives in a totally different world. He does appreciate and love art, but he's like, I'm going to pick a print. And I was like, this is a test. What are you going to go for? Are you going to get a Monet? Like there was every imaginable painting print of a painting that you could ever imagine. And he picked Jackson Pollock and I was like, good. Like he didn't know. And I was like, that's keep him. Yeah, I should probably marry him and we should probably have an amazing daughter. Done. Yeah. So 10 years later, but whatever. That yeah. So awesome. he picked, he picked that. And so, yeah. Good on him. Yeah. Going back to your ABC book, this thing that you're creating for your daughter and she's going to have this on her bookshelf and all the places that it's gone to seems like a really great way to be satisfied with what you're doing with your art. I wanted to know as you're doing all this stuff and you're working a full-time job, so you're coming home and doing all these illustrations, kind of trying to fitting them into your normal life. When did you start to really feel that this art thing is what you want to be doing? I just knew there was no way that something I loved doing that gave me a sense of peace. Like I had a sense of peace after I created it and whether it was the ABC book or painting or drawing, I found this to be a form of meditation that I didn't like, I don't have time to go to the gym. I don't have time to go to a yoga class. Like how do I create peace within like the hectic? I mean, we all have hectic lives, whether you live in the suburbs or you live in the city, but living in New York city and my husband works late nights and I have a little kid that basically like I'm on my own. Like I went back to work before she was three months old and it was crazy and it was intense and I didn't know how to, I, my life had changed so much that the only thing that I really found peace to sort of quiet, quiet the voices, you could say, from all the stress was this time I had, whether it was one hour or two hours of just listening to music and painting or drawing. And I got to close my eyes at night and, and feel like I unwound because I feel like especially TV, you close your, like I work on the computer all day when I'm putting things in repeat and creating things. And then you're looking at another screen. You're looking at a TV, like I think, or I'm not, I hate to say, but I'm not a reader. Like I like, maybe I, I'll read a magazine or I just, I don't have the attention for it. Like I wish, I wish I love to read and tap dance and work on my abs and foreign languages. There's many things, but there, don't we all? Yeah. But I feel like the painting and creating has, whether I was you know, people saw it or not, or like I was able to, you know, do a pet portrait or make a book and share it with people. That's awesome. And it's a plus, but it was something that was coming out of me that I had to do to like find peace. And it was, it, it really relaxes me and I love it. And I feel really grateful that I have an outlet because so many people don't have that to try to make something that you love and something that's in your mind that you're able to create from your fingertips is like really liberating. And I'm grateful because it took me a long time to get from, you know, not being able to draw what my mind thought and then to be able to really be able to create what I intended to create and to have that intent and to be able to create it. I'll be grateful. I am grateful because of the process it took to get there. So to talk about that, right, you know, as creatives, designers, artists, um, 
it, it is hard to figure out what's in your head and to have actually have your hand do the same thing that's in your head. Yes. Right. How, and you just, you just mentioned that you've gotten to a point where those things are actually starting to match up. Yes. Which, which means the imagination that you have, you're actually able to recreate that. And not everybody gets that moment. We have this great imagination and we think we can do this. And then we get on the computer or we, we start sketching and we're like, nope, <laughs> I don't have the skill. I don't have the talent. I haven't worked enough to get myself to that point. What is that process that got you to that? Because you just mentioned that you weren't really at that point a while it's ago. It's repetition. It's doing it again and again and again. And you have to be able to enjoy the process too. And I think whether it's being thematic and doing 50 drawings or in the case now I've slowed my roll a little bit and done 20 days of drawing and just make it more doable. But just out of 30 drawings, you're going to find one or two that you, you really love. And it, it's repetition. And I think also having a reference, a strong ref reference, whether it's a photo I took, but I think doing a little bit of re research or like being able to take a quick picture, like the train is coming and I love the way a shadow hits or like, you know, always thinking about it, like enjoying the process of creating, especially, I mean, you can't get a whole lot more inspiring than living in New York. And I love the grittiness of Brooklyn and I've been here. I've been living in New York for 16 years and I've seen, you know, I've lived in a lot of different neighborhoods, but there's something about this like gritty neighborhood I live in now that I, I see things that I never used to see or I like take a quick picture and put it in the back of my mind like, ooh, tonight I can like paint that or try to paint a corner of that or start to sketch that. And I definitely use my phone as taking pictures for reference to paint later. And I really enjoy that. So it, there's not pressure of like, better sketch something today. Because it's really, I want to enjoy that moment because it's so precious to me at night when I get to paint. And You use the camera or your phone to kind of replicate that moment earlier in the day, mm -hmm. right? So you being more in the moment rather than letting, you know, if you have a sketchbook or, or anything like that to distract you from whatever the things you want to see. Yes. And I also do think for me, drawings can be very private and I, I don't like when you do, if you do anything on the tree, someone's looking at you. If you want to sketch, people are going to breathe baloney breath over you and look what you're doing. Like I, it's to me, it is like a very like sort of sacred quiet time for me. And so that's just, you know, maybe five years from now it'll change, but that's like sort of taking a quick picture and kept capturing that moment has helped me a lot. No, that makes total sense. I mean, I, I think, Look, it's been a process for you for a while. You've you've done that for your 50 days of, of drawing and, mm -hmm. you know, it obviously worked. So why stop now? Exactly. So do you consider yourself an artist? I do because I am able to express myself in a visual way. I think it's it was hard even to say call myself an artist or an illustrator for a long time because people are like, prove it. You know, like all of a sudden you feel like self-conscious or like, I don't know, I did. And because I, I didn't think I was like very good for a long time. I feel like I was mediocre at best. And I'm not even being, you know, self-deprecating. Like I just, I know I wasn't as good as I wanted to be. And it's that process of like, it's so painful. It is like walking over glass, like trying to like, just keep drawing terrible things. So you start to see improvement and you see hope that you are, you are evolving. And it's like playing the piano. And I didn't know it was like that. I thought you were either good or you weren't good. And I was like, all right, like I wasn't great. And to see, to be in my mid thirties into my late thirties and really like see that I could get better. And it's so exciting. It's, there could be no more, 
you know, inspiration to continue to go keep pushing yourself and keep creating in those middle of the night drawings when you probably should be sleeping when you see improvement and I can like close my eyes at night and like when I love a painting that I did it could be a little painting of a bird I've been painting a lot of birds lately and just it's that perfect flick of paint and it's done and I roll back my chair and turn off the light and it's time to go to bed and I close my eyes and I'm like I did it like it's the perfect little messy perfect zigzag of just what I wanted and it gives me like it helps me sleep and I'm just glad I'm able to express myself in that way because it took a really long time to get there right and I think you're probably somebody who really appreciates that it's taken you that amount of time but that's just the journey I had to go through to get there no right so I mean it's not necessarily appreciate I I appreciate the fact that I'm able to now create things that I intended to create. It doesn't always happen, but that sometimes it's even a little bit better than I intended. And I feel, I feel really grateful for that because I know what it's like to paint a hundred drawings and not get what you want. And now if I can get one and share it, that is great to me. Sweet. So we've kind of been talking about you in the fashion world in the past because you recently left your job. I did. Right. And to be a what? Um, a freelancer, which is a kind of a broad term, but I want to focus more on taking jobs that are more art based because in the past they were more textile based. I definitely, there's pros and cons to being a freelancer and to be full time. Full time is great. Cause you, you know, you know where you're going the next day. You're not, you don't have to hustle so hard. Health insurance obviously is like a huge thing, but in the case of where I'm at as being a parent and my husband works late nights, like I'm the sole parent that runs home and can, and when she's sick, I'm the one that has to do it. And it's a lot of pressure on one person and, and it's hard. It's hard working a corporate job and leaving when you need to leave. And for us, we need more flexibility. And so that's really what we're focusing on. Although like I do need to pick up freelance jobs based on my experience. I have been able to take on jobs that I would have not been able to take if I was working full time, like I'm working on um, album cover right now and I am doing some pet portraits were always fun for me. And so I follow you on Instagram and there's some random things that you kind of, you know, put up there almost very Chris Neiman like where you see an object and you just draw around it because you're constantly doing a lot of different things. How do you get inspiration for all that? It's funny you say that because I feel like people probably think I'm crazy when they look at the stream of this probably my stream of consciousness like if just I'm going to paint a cat I'm going to draw a zebra I'm going to doodle around this coffee stain I think whatever sort of hits me there's a lot of things I don't share but I think when I think it's kind of funny or clever or something I think my friends would enjoy I just do it and post it I I just especially lately I've just drawn what inspires me because I think there's a silliness with my daughter I when I do these doodly drawing things And I do take my, I really want to get better at creating portraits. And some of my stuff's kind of serious. Like I have to say, I love an app called Sketchy. It has improved my work immensely. And I I really actually have connected with the guy who started the app. His name is Jordan. And he did a little blog or and or a little article on me when I first started because I did this paper doll project and and that was really fun and I think that was a part of during the time when I started creating more and that it didn't have to be just 
pen and paper. Like when I'm with my daughter, I feel like there's no rules. I am like crazy with Play-Doh and then we're doing plaster cat heads and I love sort of not having any rules. Like if I want to do something silly and whimsical or serious and do a portrait, I think the one thing as an artist I always want for myself is to never be afraid of a medium and to never be afraid of a subject matter. Like I, there's a long way to go. I love doing portraits, whether it's people or I've done houses. I've drawn a lot of sort of interior spaces and the outside of houses, but not to be afraid of anything. The one thing I wanted to learn how to do this year, which I have not, I'm, I've done some disasters, but like doing more like the ocean and sky. And I haven't quite captured that yet, but do, I think I'm so immersed in urban culture that I've worked a lot on buildings and city stuff. So it's like, what am I going to learn next? Like, don't be afraid to paint the ocean. Don't be afraid of using different types of mediums. I did a lot of acrylics in college, but I love a lot of the time my medium is, is contoured to my space. So like oil painting and like with a small child in a little space, like that's probably not the best idea, but like quick drawing watercolors or quick pencil sketches. I can do a couple in a, short time period. I also know like I have a short attention span. Like I don't really want to work two months on a painting. Like I want a couple great sketches or do 10 sketches. and really like two. Like I want to do a lot in a short period of time and I want to keep moving. So no, that's, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. Moving on to this place where you have a lot of more freedom, right? Because like you said, your husband works nights and you have a daughter. So Moving to the freelance space is different than working in the industry for 16 years. Freedom's a little scary. Like it's exciting and you don't even know what to do with yourself. But it, it is. It's funny you say that, too, because just this past week, my husband's been so supportive. And, you know, I don't know if I really want to go back to full time right now because it just doesn't really make sense. But I've noticed now that I'm revisiting this conversation of like, can I be an artist full time? Can I sell prints? How do I do this? Once you start getting into the nitty gritty of it, you're like, I'm back on style careers looking for another full time job because I'm like, don't want to deal with it. But like, if I could just paint all day, that would be great. But that's not going to pay my AT&T bill. Like I'm thinking I'm just we're trying to find my husband really believes in my work as well and knows that like there is a, a place for that somewhere. And we're just trying to we're definitely in the early stages of it. So, okay. So as we keep on going, I mean, I'm not even going to ask this question that I usually ask is your, is your process analog or digital because you paint and sketch all the time. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely analog. Yes. Your digital process is only really to get your work known. Yeah. I don't really tweak anything. There are in the early stages I did, do some layouts where like the line drawing was a different layer in Photoshop, but there was no tweaking of colors or like it was just sort of punching the white out and laying it on top. So. Right. So, I mean, strictly all yes. hand on everything, which I, I think I definitely prefer to working in an industry that's very computer based. It's so nice to get messy. So it is yes. sometimes creating those things are, are really cool. Um, are there like any, specific tools you use for this? I mean, not obviously. I have favorite brands. I have favorite tools that I love to use. Like a certain, um, hold on, sorry. It's gonna be... I really love the, I mean, everybody probably knows this brand, but the Windsor Newton watercolors are really awesome. 
And The draftmatic pencils, my favorite. I'm. I, it's a pretty common. Like I think it's just like a drafting pencil, but it makes a difference. One of the things I loved, I actually got. Um, it's such a plug, but Art Snacks. I really, really loved some of the products they sent. I didn't really have it in my budget to continue to do it. I think it's twenty dollars a month, something like that. And they give you really high-end little products to try. And I got this pencil that was like, wow. It had a really soft lead. And I was never, I didn't know I could create the shine in an eye. The way I could with this pencil, I really got close. And it changed the way I looked at mechanical pencils. And I really liked it. So I dabbled in particular tools that I didn't in the past. And it was really nice. And it was fun to get like a little box of art supplies. So it was nice. Thanks for the pencil. Yeah, I think that's like... The pencil was worth it. Yeah, the pencil was worth it. So, yeah. Can I talk about one thing that I feel like has helped other friends that feel stuck? Of course. After doing the 50 days of drawing, I knew it was a little excessive, but I realized I'm more productive during the winter months because we're all kind of stuck inside. So I believe it was the following year after the first 50 days of drawing, I decided I was going to do 20 days of drawing. It just seemed more doable. And so I reached out to a few friends that have told me like how do you do it? You're, you know, you're always creating. And I don't even, it sounds weird even saying that, but I was like, you can do it too. It was stuck in me for a long time and I know you have it in you. And so I reached out to maybe five friends the first time I did it. And there was a friend who knitted and one who kind of doodled and everybody kind of did something different and including Jen, your wife did it as well. And I said every day for 20 days, let's keep ourselves accountable. You know, you don't have to do this, but you could hashtag, you know, we picked a hashtag for that particular project. And it was really fun to see, you know, say I drew, drew a motorcycle and someone else, my friend would, you didn't even have to finish something. It was like a sketch of a little elephant she was going to knit and do something every day for 20 days and see where you're at at the end. And there's people now I've done, I think, the last four years and we all join together and do it. And it's like, it's that time of year. It's like, you know, snowing and it's February and let's do another 20 days drawing. And I know there's a few people in particular that have said like, thank you so much for like their work has changed a lot and it's so fun to see where they are now and when they started. And I feel like that's for me, if I can inspire anybody because I need to do, I needed to be inspired and I somehow found a way to inspire myself. But I know that if I can get anybody else to find that it's so important because it just like brings you a sense of happiness that like we're all there's, I, I think everybody's got something, even if they say they don't, they do. Right. And I, and I, I think from reading something, I remember that if you do something for three weeks, 21 days, it becomes a habit. Yeah. Right. So you're like just one day off. I think part of the reason why, why I'm afraid to stop drawing sometimes is I'm afraid of losing it because I love doing it and I do obsessively paint or draw or like get in this habit and sometimes like oh I don't want to I don't want to paint another tiger like nobody wants to see another bird but I do like sharing what I'm doing but I'm sometimes I think I'm afraid if I don't do it I'll lose it and I think I have this fear that stems back to even when I had such a block so I know that if I keep going even if I'm making an ugly tiger or making a bird that something's off like I'm creating something and doing something and it doesn't have to be something big, but it can just, just try. Right. And I, I think that's funny. That goes into one of the things I was going to, um, 
What is a risk you see with being an artist? A risk I see for being an artist. It's not like baking bread. Like if you're, if you're really down on your luck and everybody's really broke, you don't need a portrait. Like I know that, that this is like a luxury people can have to, if, if I'm getting hired to create art. And so for me to have at least the skill of being able to do print and pattern to work in the corporate world, that's a good, I'm glad I have that backup and I have a college degree, but I know that wanting to be a full-time artist, you, you have to find your, your niche. Like it is so oversaturated with artists and to find your way and to like know that you're being able to connect with people and finding a way to make a living doing it is really hard. I think it's, it's hard putting yourself out there and pouring yourself. It's good because you poured yourself into like what you're working on, but it it also is, it's a little, you know, makes you a little anxious. Like I hope they like it because I tried really hard on it and poured myself into it. But I think most artists are probably a little oversensitive anyway. So that's what makes you a good artist, but it also, right. You're adding something of yourself into this work. Mm-hmm. You're not just doing somebody else's bidding. You're not just creating something up, but you know, you're, you're basing ideas off of things that you wanted to and hopefully find out other people are into it. it makes us feel better. Exactly. So go back to your college self, mm-hmm. go back to that. What would you tell a younger self about all the stuff you know now? What advice would you give that person? Don't ever stop trying. Don't ever, don't ever stop consistently painting and just work through it and you'll get to the other side. Like don't get discouraged by, by being stuck. And just, even if you feel like you have a block, just keep going and keep fighting and keep do it again and again and again, and somehow find pleasure in the process of repetition. Because for me, repetition is what evolves you and what makes you better. And I love seeing where my work is at now, but I can't wait to continue to paint and to draw. And I also, I started recently seeing change in my work and it just happened. And it's exciting because I'm like, ooh, I want to do that again and again. And it was a chicken that I painted and I really liked how minimal it was because I've been, I think for a while, so almost like overdoing it and overpainting it and oversaturating the color. And I kind of stepped back a little bit, like maybe draw the zebra, but only draw the stripes do do the leopard but only do the spots so the spots create the space and really breaking it down in a minimal way but you know exactly what it is and I did a chicken and I'm like obsessed with chickens right now but I painted sort of the top of the chicken's head whatever it's called and and instead of painting the wings I just did this like loop that turned into the wing and it almost looked like it had sort of an Asian inspiration the way it was created. And I was like, didn't know my hand did it, but all of a sudden it was like the most liked Instagram post I'd put in a long time, but it just like happened. And I was like, there's something to that, the way that like working with that negative space. So what I would say to my younger self is to keep going because as you create, you continue to evolve and you'll continue to get better And once you feel like you've reached a point where you really like something, just keep going because it's going to turn into something else. And it's never going to stop as long as you keep going and keep trying and keep pushing yourself and set goals that maybe they're just for you, but complete them. And you get this sense of accomplishment that I like, you know, I always joke with my husband, I'm making my own homework. Like, why am I making my own finals? Like, what is wrong with me? Like, I don't have enough going on. So, but it makes, 
it makes me happy. So that's why I do it. Awesome. What does the future look like for Nat Made? For Nat Made. I want to continue to, I really love collaborating and I've realized that it's so great when you realize you don't want to do something like I don't really like the production part. I have a really great friend who does screen printing and she's always looking for artwork. So we've sort of done some trades where I will paint what I feel like painting, whether it's zebra or whatever, and then I'll scan it in and I'll, she lives in Nashville and I'll send it to her. Her name's Mary Inc. And I'll send her my artwork and then she'll screen print it, whether it's birds I painted on a women's shirt and or kiss them right now we're coming out with some kids t-shirts for doodles that I did and in return she sends me the product so I get to see my artwork come to life on t-shirts so right now Ruby will be getting some doodly foxes for her t-shirts which I'm excited about and to know that like I have a friend who's a jeweler I'm working with him right now and like hopefully we can come up with something that merges our style so I think collaboration is the key that bringing two creative people that maybe do two different mediums is really exciting to me. Like so many awesome, interesting, talented artists that we are all like, you know, finding our way in this oversaturated art world, but to be able to support each other by coming together and making a product that is cool because it comes from two different places, but people who love what they do. So that's definitely where I see myself continuing to merge with my friends and to other people and keep pushing myself to do things that are even a little bit uncomfortable sometimes. So that's how you grow. Yeah. I mean, collaborating is definitely, like you said, key. And I can't wait to see what kind of collaborations you come up with in the future. I want to thank you for being on the Works and Process podcast, Natalie. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the stories. Awesome. <laughs> um, this was great. Definitely, everybody, look at the show notes for all the great links and people that um, Natalie has talked about. And some of the other things that we've mentioned will all be in the show notes so that you can actually see all the great stuff that she does. And by the time this comes out, she'll have so much more stuff. Definitely. Working on it. But thank you. Thank you. This has been Works in Process. Thanks for listening. Go to the podcast website, wip.show, where you can find the show notes as well as any websites, artists, and work that Natalie mentions during the show. Also, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, as well as Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Music. You also can connect with me on Twitter or Facebook via works underscore in process. That's works with an S underscore in process, one word. And you can find behind the scene pics on Instagram by searching the hashtag works underscore in process. Thanks again. And until next time, follow your gut and trust in the process.